Welcome everyone to Trekking Through with Dan and Ron. I'm Dan. I'm Ron. And uh, we're coming at you talking about the second episode of Lower Decks uh, entitled Envoys, aired August 14th, 2020. What'd you think of this episode opener, Ron? Oh, gosh, I love the opener. It was a great play on the whole energy entity coming to take over the ship. And, oh, right. no, oh, no, the, these, these crew members are kind of, like, not taking any crap. And it's like, okay, get in, oh. get, get in the van. No, do whatever you want. Oh, I, right, I, I right. thought it was great because it, it, it turned that on its head. I mean, in, in every, um, you know, Berman-era Trek episode that featured energy entity, that would have been the entire setup for the whole episode. Here it was the cold open, and it was settled before the open. It was great. Right, right. It tries to attack the captain. Again, it just just fizzles out. Wait, so, uh, so I, I want that purple stripe tricorder, that new purple stripe tricorder. I, I think the purple stripe was one added for. Um, I think it was added maybe first contact or one of the end of uh, the run of Voyager, but it did nothing else except it had a purple stripe on it, so it was a better unit apparently. So that's actually a callback. The I purple think, stripe. Tricorder. I think so. I, I haven't done a deep dive into, into that as yet. Um, I figured that. That, that's something that can be, uh, um, uh, it doesn't need to be confirmed, I don't think, but right. it's, it's definitely um, uh, amusing because it's, it's, I think it's a callback. It was mentioned a couple of times, some of the nerds and previous things, that the, the purple strike tricorder was some new hero prop that got brought in and yeah, whatever. But apparently Mariner was, she wanted the damn purple strike. Gotta have that purple strike. Makes all the difference. And batteries. You know, you wouldn't. She wouldn't buy anything. Didn't come with batteries. <laughs> so we, uh, the episode after cold open, introduces us right away to the a plot, which is Boimler getting assigned to be an envoy and escort a Klingon captain. Uh, very excited about it, uh, and uh, Mariner. It seems uh, she can't be bothered. She's too cool for school. You know, too cool for school. Kind of, kind of making makes fun of him, uh, teasing him a bit, and uh, but it turns out she she transfers onto the assignment to be co-command, uh, kind of taking the wind out of Boimler's sails a little bit. Well, you know, Boimler needs a little. He needs a little uh, a little oversight. He really needs a help. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He does. And right as we find out, yeah. And as we find out, Mariner has a connection with the, their their guest, so that makes perfect sense. It, it, oh yeah. If you think yeah, about yeah. it, yeah. So we, we go on uh, to, to Rutherford and Tindy. They have a little interaction that sets up our B-plot, which for me was uh, more comedic. I got more uh, uh, laughs out of the B-plot of Rutherford changing divisions to yeah. make time to watch uh, an astral event with Tindy. And uh, so it sets him leaving engineering and he going through all of the other divisions. The command, security, yeah. <laughs> he goes from engineering to command to medical to security back to engineering and, <laughs> and we have uh, great fun along the way but while that's happening the uh, Boimler and Mariner pick up the Klingon Mariner's knows knows him from way back in the day uh, how old is she? <laughs> right I know uh, Cap uh, what was the Klingon name? Corinne right? Captain Corinne Captain Corinne Kind of a um, heavy drinking, one-eyed uh, kind of Martok uh, analog in a lot of ways. A young yeah. Martok. Martok without self-control. 
Exactly. Was, was very much the he vibe steals, I got. He steals things, apparently. You know? He steals things, yeah. He gets drunk and steals their shuttle, <laughs> abandons them on the planet, and they've got to have their adventure to get back in time to not be uh, court-martialed. My favorite part of their chase was, hands down, uh, Boimler getting hit on. Oh, yes, uh, with uh, uh, that the alien creature. What, what was that called? Um, Anabaj. Anabaj, yes, an Anabaj. Um, <laughs> yes, kind of kind of an, um, a, a, a celestial space siren, mermaid-type creature, right, you know? Yeah, totally beautiful and hitting on him. You won Jamaharan, I can tell. I feel like Jamaharan is something that's going to come back. I have have we heard of Jamaharan in the past? Oh, only only in I think uh, some episodes of uh, Next Generation. I think it was brought out in um, the first episode Captain's Holiday where uh, Picard uh, and uh, goes to Risa for vacation um, and Riker kind of gives him that little statue the Horgon which says I want Jamaharan. Um, and ah. he doesn't tell the captain that that's what it's for. And of course, the captain puts it out there next to his little his little uh, uh, beach chair, and all the ladies start coming up, and he's really put off by that. <laughs> oh, yeah. right, right, right. Oh, that was that was some good. So, okay, so the Jamaharan is a, it's a callback to Riza. It's a callback to Riza. It's a, I'm looking, uh, you know, it's it's loving. It's looking for some good loving. Um, and uh, yes, even after um, the Anabaj was uh, was uh, um, I guess uh, shown to be her true self, she's still like, I can tell you still want Tamaran. I can feel it. You still want <laughs> dirty, <it."> dirty boy. <laughs> that was probably my favorite line in um, uh, in, in the episode. That that and Mariner's line to uh, to Corinne um, uh, when he says that she's gone soft and he is not as soft as your Nagak. <laughs> it's like, I guess we know what a Nagek is now in, in Klingon, right? <laughs> Come, Mariner, let me tell you my sexual conquests. <laughs> oh, what, both of them? <laughs> burn. Sick burn. So going back to Rutherford, my favorite, favorite moment uh, has got to be the Janeway Protocol. Yeah. His training command. Really? Janeway uh, Protocol? With, <laughs> with command, yeah, Commander Ransom. <laughs> He uses the Janeway protocol and <laughs> all the ship's children have been ejected into space. The kindergarten on decade is gone. <laughs> this has never happened before. <laughs> Let's try it again with more children. A ship with more children. <laughs> oh, a ship with more children. Uh, yeah, shows, shows Ransom's really got a bloodlust. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, and, and I feel like those bits uh, are not only comedic, but they're important and revealing about the, the crew members themselves. You know, this first season, first few episodes, we're still learning all about these people. Yeah, we're still starting to get character development. Um, we got, obviously, this focused a lot more on, uh, on Mariner, Boimler, um, uh, and uh, Rutherford. Um, we got a lot of good character development from them. We didn't get a whole lot of um, anyone else on the ship, I don't think, um, but, but that's to be discovered in further episodes. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's only so much time per episode. Uh, but they did continue to give us the jokes. Uh, Rutherford moving on from command to medicine uh, had some funny bits, but for me it really got extra funny again when he went to security and they go down to the holodeck and the, the, the lieutenant in charge of security loads up program Smorgasborg. 
<laughs> and he actually defeats them all. Like, this, this is supposed to be a no-win situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uses his uh, his augmentation, his cybernetic yeah. augmentation, destroys the board. Yeah, I yeah. usually give this program to people to learn how to handle defeat. Yes, the smorgasbord is kind of the the security holodeck version of the Kobayashi Maru, right? And of exactly. Course, and, exactly. And, and like Kirk, Rutherford defeats it with, uh, well, in his case, cheating as well at implant. <laughs> right. Right. Uses his cybernetic uh, powers to to win. He doesn't actually know how to fight. The the, the visor does, or the eye, cybernetic eye knows how to fight. <laughs> yes. It's really fun because all of the officers along the way are nothing but positive and supportive. They have a few setups where you think the commander's gonna say, you can't transfer out of here, but no. I, I, I enjoyed how every commander was like, hey, you gotta do you. If you wanna move on to the next division, right. go for it. When he's like, I'm, I'm, gonna leave, I'm gonna leave security. Yeah, I'm gonna leave security. And then everyone's like, yeah, right on. You go on, you'll be successful wherever you go. And I felt like that really harkens to the heart of, of, uh, of the goodness that Gene Roddenberry was trying to do with Star Trek and showing that future. Right. We're not cutting each other down. We're supporting each other. We're all in this together as the human race, or I guess yes. and more than the human race by the time we get to you know these multi-species crews post-Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. That security lieutenant is Bajoran. He's got the little earring, the nose ridges. And some uh, anger management issues, it sounds like. <laughs> We'll learn a, I'm eager to learn a lot more about him, especially his uh, his bloodlust for battle. Yes, yes, yes. He's he's looking exciting. Uh, can't wait to explore him. Uh, Ransom getting deeper. He he's great. Uh, the doctor right away. I feel like they did a great job writing her in that. Uh, other than like maybe personal backstory complications, I right. feel like we know the character already. Like you said, it's it's a. a cat version of McCoy. Yeah, and they're not uh, they're not overdoing it either. Uh, that's the type of character that uh, the writers in the past may have have used excessively for, for jokes and things like that. And so far it's been only where she's been needed to, to say a line that was good. It hasn't been yes. comedic foil over and over and over again ad nauseum, um, like some of the comedic characters in previous tracks where, you know, oh please don't don't neelix me, you know? They're they're not shoehorning her into every right. scene they can, right? Uh, which is which is wonderful. So back back on the A plot, they're on that planet. They're they're trying to track down the Klingon general, and Mariner is showing herself to be super capable, and Boimler's making the wrong calls over and over and over again, until he gets to the point where he wants to leave Starfleet. <laughs> and go study vegetation alone on a planet where he's gonna die and they'll have to piece together what happened based on his video logs. Oh, poor Boimler, poor me. And and we get to see a little bit of Mariner and, and what she, she's willing to do for people she cares about because she clearly cares about Boimler's progress. Uh, they, they've, well, we've already seen bonding happen from them and uh, we get to this point where she's trying to take a shortcut and they come across a Ferengi. Uh, very clearly, we as, as fans automatically know it's a Ferengi. Human! And Boimler, what is a Boimler? <laughs> He's even doing a thing with his hands. It's a Boolean, she said. <laughs> <laughs> come, humans! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mariner 
it's like, no, we can, this isn't a Ferengi, we can trust him. Sounds fine, it looks like a Bolian. And Boimler stands his ground, uh, <laughs> confronts the Ferengi, and uh, best line of that scene is, when Ferengi pulls out a knife, give me your profits! Right. <laughs> no, it was, it was great. Uh, um, Mariner really, uh, she she stepped up to to prop Boimler up and make him feel more confident, and it was it was definitely shows that she has a heart of gold and cares about her crew members. Whether she takes her job seriously all the time, that's another story, of course. Oh yes, yes. Uh, Boimler gets rid of the Ferengi. Get get go on Ferengi. Get and uh, uh, yeah, we have that nice wrap up scene where uh, they're in ten forward. And, and I think this, 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 is, this is another moment that really shows how much she cares. Uh, she's sitting, looking angry and dejected as Boimler's telling the story. Now, and he includes, after being a badass all day, then she mistakes a Ferengi for a Bolian. Uh, she just sits and takes it, lets him bask in the glow of success. And then when she leaves, we find out she hired the Ferengi, or he owed her a favor. Or, they're, or, or they were friends, yeah. yeah. She set the whole thing up to give Boimler the win. And the fact that she would sit and tend forward for the mockery, is, to me, is a big part of uh, that show her us watching the actions of, of her caring. Uh, right. She cares not, not, not just enough to set it up, but to let him gloat afterwards. Right, and it really shows how the, the depth of, of, of how much she cares. Whereas in the very first episode, uh, um, even halfway through the first episode, where her and Boiler are relatively new to each other, she would not have would not have done anything like that. She would not have stood up for him. She would not have taken um, the ridicule from him. Um, in just two episodes, they've bonded in a way that we've seen few Trek characters bond at least that fast in a, in a series. Absolutely. And I've been enjoying it along the way too. They're they're very good uh, characters. They they they're for they they are very good foils for each other. These two characters, and uh, there's plenty of, of of room as we're seeing for not just comedy but that emotionality that doesn't often come show up in Trek until maybe later episodes. Right, and, and uh, they're they're definitely an odd couple as well. Where they they're they're each of their own failing as compliments the other one together to, to combine them. They're a great Starfleet officer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> the street smarts meets the book smarts. Uh, and then the so so the a plot is wrapped up when they they find the Klingon general passed out in, with their shuttle, drop him off drunk at the door to the consulate, and they head back to the ship, and. The Rutherford, the B plot, Rutherford goes through everything, you know, like we said, uh, not happy, moving on, moving on, moving on, ends up back in engineering because he really loves working the tubes. And Tindy just tells him, like, oh, that's no big deal. I'll take my pad and we can watch it together in the <laughs> tube. Uh, so, so they're clearly having their romance develop uh, small step by small step, which is great. Uh, it was good to see because Rutherford's whole motivation for the, his entire journey through this episode was he wanted to keep his word and spend time with Tindy. And uh, I think I think it's it's showing good things to come. But one one concern I have about it is I really hope we're not too stuck in the rut of A plot Mariner and Boimler 
B plot Tindy and Rutherford. Right. That could that could get old. Yeah. That could get old pretty pretty quickly. Um, and hopefully there are some uh, some little um, ongoing plot threads throughout the episodes that connect them a little bit as we go forward. Um, so far, they've definitely been uh, standalone um, Berman Trek era episodes where we're all wrapped up at the end. All right. Maybe we have, we've had a little character development along the way, unlike in some previous treks, but um, I, I definitely like to see some, maybe some sort of overarching story arc, at least the hints, hints of it here and there. Right. Uh, I felt like Discovery did a fantastic job of showing us these characters, introducing us to these characters, while also introducing us to this big story arc. And I, too, I, I feel like Star Trek does best when it's got a big season-long arc. Yeah, and I don't. And, and, and for a cartoon like this, that's 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 uh, that's comedic and uh, just just for just for a lot of fun. Um, I don't need a big, serious overall plot point that's following the entire series, but just something to maybe even tie a season or several episodes together in something uh, beyond just having everything wrapped up and tied with a bow at the end, like TNG was in the early years. Yes, yes, yes. Total agreement. Uh, any any other parts of this episode that uh, we, we didn't get to talk about that really stood out to you? Well, one thing that stood out to me to, in this episode uh, when they were in engineering towards the beginning is the USS Cerritos has a hell of a warp core. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be the most elaborate warp core we've seen to date in any iteration of Star Trek. It's, it's pretty impressive. Well, it's no wonder Boimler loves it so much. It is his happy place, after all. I, I really enjoyed, it was a quick moment, I really enjoyed Tindy and Mariner. Uh, Mariner's watching something on a pad and she's like, oh, check it out, it's a video of Admiral so-and-so tripping. Like, like <laughs> they're sitting around watching YouTube videos of Admiral, Starfleet, Starfleet fails, you know? Right. Look what, look who's gone viral in Starfleet this week. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that was really humanizing for the characters to me, just that little quick moment. Uh, anchors the show to me as a as a viewer. Like the, I'm watching Star right. Trek, but I'm watching Star Trek for right now. And, exactly. Uh, that, like, really un, unlike say in in TNG, we're in TNG. Everyone, at least at the beginning, per Roddenberry's directives, you know, there was no conflict amongst the crew. They were all all their flaws were were minimized. In in lower decks. We're seeing each character's flaws, and the writers are picking at the scabs of those flaws, uh, let, letting that all be, you know, bear out to every, everyone to see. Um, so it really is the anti-next gen in the way that they're developing the characters. It's look, this character has a flaw. We're gonna we're gonna poke and prod that flaw. And we're gonna see how they deal with it and see how they grow from that. As opposed to no one's got flaws. And I, I can't wait for the next episode, to be honest. And I can't wait for you all to join us on that Absolutely. next episode. Uh, I'm ready to wrap things up. Ron, you got anything else to... No, I think we've covered it. This was uh, a fun episode for me. It didn't have quite the same punch as the first one, I think, in my opinion. For, for me, my own viewing um, preferences. But I loved the hell out of it, nonetheless. All right. Well... Keep on listening, watching, liking, and sharing, folks. And uh, we'll talk to you next time when we go trekking through Lower Decks.
The theme song is Slumlord by Lotag Blanco, used with the Creative Commons license. As always, bask in the afterglow.